Our New Testament scripture comes from the gospel according to Luke, the fourth chapter, starting with the first verse and reading down to the 13th verse. I am reading from the New International Version. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put your Lord, the God, to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. This text is appropriate in this Lenten season, which started uh, the day after Mardi Gras to some of us and (laughs) Ash Wednesday to others, um, as a uh, 40-day period of consecration and self-sacrifice in an attempt to increase our discipline heading into the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Uh, I'm interested about Luke because the text, the gospel, uh, according to Luke, covers the story just a little bit different than some of the other gospels. Uh, Matthew is a little longer and the temptations are in a different order. And Mark only covers it briefly because the gospel, according to Mark, he's really short with his words. And the gospel, according to John, actually does not have this temptation story at all. But I'm interested in how Luke handles it, because they're all still there. Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, decides to go away into a wilderness to fast. And after 40 days of fasting, some translations say hungry, some translations say famished, Some translations say starving. It's obvious if you haven't eaten anything in 40 days, you're going to want something. And just when Jesus is at a weak point, after 40 days of fasting, that's when the temptation comes. Uh, The devil comes, and after that time, he asks him to turn a stone into food. And I can only imagine after 40 days of no food that that stone probably looked 
like a red lobster cheddar biscuit or I'm a fan of cheddars myself, so those honey drizzle croissants. Y'all forgive me, I'm fasting from certain foods mm. during this Lenten period, so some of these things look very delicious. All right. And then he goes and takes him up to a high point and shows him all of the things that are in con- that Satan is in control of. The text, uh, the Bible does say that he is the prince of the world. Uh, so he's in control of these things, and it would have been very easy. It would have been a means to an end. Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet, but his ministry is to save the world. And it would be very easy to save the world if you had control of it already. So it's very easy when he says, just bow down to me, and I'll give this all to you. He wouldn't have had to spend all those years of ministry and maybe not going to the cross. It's a means to an end. Sometimes we look at that because the ends will justify the means. Uh, And the temptations get more elaborate each time. And so this third time that Satan tries to tempt Jesus, he even quotes scripture. Not only does he quote scripture, he quotes some of our favorite scripture. That song, that 90th Psalm, one that was read prior to the reading of the gospel. A lot of us love to hear about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High and abiding in the shadow of the Almighty and having angels looking on us. And it's right there. If you do it, nothing's going to happen to you. To give in to these things, it's not hard to do. This is Jesus we're talking about. Jesus could have done every one of those things and it would have been all right. Jesus could have turned the stones into bread. Jesus could have fell and not been hurt. Jesus could have immediately taken over all of the nations and ruled them. Jesus could have taken the easy way out. He has ruling power. He's coming to rule. He's coming to save the nations. It would have been okay to just give up a little bit for the greater good. Jesus is tempted. Some translations say tested. We're always tested. We're always tempted. And it not only says that, but then it also says in the text that when Satan went away, he went away for a more opportune time. So the temptation was not going to be over. We are tempted. We are tempted in eating food we are not supposed to. And not just eating food we are not supposed to, but ingesting things besides food. What we listen to, what we watch, who we hang around, who we allow to influence us, those are things that we ingest Every day there is an opportunity to put something inside of ourselves that doesn't mean us any good. Not only that, sometimes there are opportunities that present themselves where it's not always black and white. It's not always good versus evil. Sometimes it's good versus good. Okay. We are tempted not to do things as well. I mean, do I walk around the block and get some exercise or do I stay in the bed and get some much needed sleep? Both could be considered good. 
We need our rest, but we need our exercise, but it's not always cut and dry. Some of the decisions that we make with our money are not always black and white. But we have to figure out the means to an end. So temptation is not always easy to avoid. We can look at the text and easily avoid it because it's the devil. And we know real quick, devil bad, devil no. But how we conduct ourselves on the job, how we conduct ourselves when nobody is looking, how we conduct ourselves with our family, that's not always black and white. It's messy. It's easy to want to take the easy way out. It's preferred sometimes because we don't want the stress. Every day there is an opportunity to test us, and every day it's not always considered black and white. You can make a mistake as well when you do these things and forever be known by what you did. There are plenty of people right now that we know that you can think of that may have made one mistake. And that one mistake that they made, that one decision that they made, they are forever known by what they did and not who they are. Could be forever known as a liar for telling one lie. Could be forever known as a cheater. And they don't cheat all the time or they don't cheat except for that one time and they are forever known by that. All right. That one time you go off on yeah, people, yeah, yeah. now you got a temper problem. You become known by what you've done and you just gave in to that temptation. And not only are you known by that, but sometimes you don't have to be known by that. You'll be known by that on the inside. I saw a phrase they once said that I didn't realize I was a bully until I looked at how I talked to myself. Uh, The 12-step movement, Uh, they often talk about certain things when it comes to succumbing to temptation. Uh, The 12-step movement has an acronym, HALT, H-A-L-T, HALT. And this HALT says that we need to pay attention to when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired. Because if you want to be able to withstand the temptation, you have to be most vigilant when you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I told somebody one day that I was a walking Snickers commercial. I can attest that when I am hungry, I get a little short. I say certain things that would not necessarily come out if I had some food in my stomach. I say, and you make those choices when you are hungry for something. And that is a lot of times those of us who have experienced those that are in poverty, they make those decisions because they're hungry. When you are looking to put food on the table, some things that you were not willing to do before seem to be open and you're willing to do them now. And when you're angry or lonely, you can do the same thing. Definitely when you're lonely, uh, what my husband or wife doesn't know won't hurt them. They're not here to say, see this. 
so they don't have to worry about this problem. When you're angry, well, if you was at home taking care of business, I wouldn't be doing this. It's their fault that what's going on is happening because they brought this upon themselves. And so when you are lonely or you are angry, you are more apt to succumb to temptation. And of course, when you're tired, when you're tired, you just want things to go away. Whatever you want, I will give it to you so you can get out of my way and I can get some rest. (laughs) Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you pay attention to those kind of things, you are more apt to succumb to the temptation. And the consequences can be everlasting. But Jesus was able to overcome the temptation and he gave us some ways to overcome the temptation by ourselves as well. First off, the text says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. We call ourselves Christians. We need to do what Jesus did. Jesus prayed a lot. Jesus went to the synagogue a lot, has been covered in some of these other times. So you have to spend some time in prayer. You have to spend some time in worship. And you also have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Jesus was comforted by the Spirit after the temptation went away. We have to have a relationship with the Spirit if we want to overcome the temptation When Luke talks about the spirit in the text, it's more, it's it's a comforter. Not only is it a comforter, it's an animator. It animates our lives. It gives us that power to push forward when we don't think we can. It allows us to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep stepping, developing this relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need to spend time with the Holy Spirit in order to develop the relationship just like you develop any other relationship. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Talk with the Holy Spirit and it'll become a a, a regular conversation partner. Not only was Jesus led by the Spirit in order to resist the temptation, Jesus responded with the word. Every time Satan tempted Jesus, he was attacking his identity. If you are the son of God, if you say you a Christian, if you say you love me like you really do, if you care about me like you are, this was an attack on his identity and his response to the attack on the identity was the word. I say time and time again, we are people of the book. You have to be able to know the word and able to use the word. And so when he responded to the temptation, he, re- he replied with scripture. He replied particularly in Deuteronomy. And I'm fond of that Deuteronomy scripture 8 and 3 because it says in, in its totality, be, so be humbled you. So he humbled you rather, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know nor did your fathers know, 
that he might make you know that man shall live, man that shall not live by bread alone. That's what he said in the text is man shall not live by bread alone. But the next clause of that is why I really like it because he says, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he was saying that he didn't necessarily need to put his own needs in front of this, in front of the people, because he was being fed by the word. He did not allow anything that he to adjust them things because he was full. He was full on the word. No need to put your own personal needs in front of everybody else by making sure you fed and ain't nobody else fed. He had the word. So man shall not live by bread alone, but live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus was not going to abuse his status as the son of God by taking care of his own self. He was there to show us how to live. And by showing us how to live, he showed us that his dependence didn't come from man or physical needs. It came from God. And this was also a test of not only Jesus' identity, but a test of Jesus' authority. Jesus' authority would be later revealed in the gospel according to Luke and all over the rest of the Bible. But here, Satan was trying to test it right then. Satan had some bit of authority and he was trying to exalt himself over Jesus. But Jesus has his own authority, so he didn't need any authority from Satan. He teaches with authority, that's Jesus. He commands demons to leave. He has authority. He, he, he makes these demons leave people's body. Uh, he forgives sins. The centurion even recognizes his authority. The centurion had somebody sick and he said, I'm going to go to your, your, your house so I can feel. And the centurion said, no. I command people, and when I say something is, gets, get, needs to get done, it gets done. And so I know authority. I recognize the realness in you, and so if you just say it, it's going to be done. Jesus had authority, so there was no need to bow down to Satan for power because Jesus already had it. And the tests kept getting more elaborate and more elaborate. First was feed yourself. Second was bow down to me. Third was kill yourself. These tests kept getting more elaborate. And in the third time, Satan even quoted scripture. There are some bad people out there that say some good things. Even demons believe in Jesus. Demons know who God is. So just because somebody is capable of saying the right thing doesn't mean that they're actually for your good. Just because somebody calls you a friend doesn't mean they're actually your friend. Just because somebody says they have your best interest in you, in them, for you, doesn't mean they actually do. Satan quoting and often quoted scripture around the saints these days, that Psalm 90, it's a favorite of many. But he responded with even more scripture. Do not put your Lord to the test. 
No one has the right to try to manipulate God. No one has the right to try to manipulate God. No one has the right to try to manipulate God. So if we're going to be like Jesus is, we need to act like Jesus acted. And so if Jesus wouldn't put God to the test, why are we doing it? And so you have this 40-day fast that leaves him exhausted, deprived of all his physical resources. In short, his flesh and his spirit were fully exposed, leaving him completely vulnerable to an attack by the Lord. But even so, Jesus was able to withstand those attacks. He withstood that attack by being led by the spirit. He withstood that attack by knowing the word. He withstood that attack by not putting himself in a position to put the Lord to the test. There are some things that we try to blame on the devil that we've done ourselves. So Jesus withstood the devil's initial attack which prepared him for the ministry because all of this happened on a timeline of Jesus' ministry before everything got started. This 40-day fast was preparation. It was practice for him to go out. So he needed to spend some time fasting and praying before he went out to heal the sick and raise the dead and open up blinded eyes and uh, heal the wounds of the afflicted and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. He needed some prep time. If we don't spend any time preparing, we can get caught off guard. One person said, I can't remember the name right now, but they said, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Because there will always be a test. Even when Satan fleed Jesus, the text says clearly he was coming for another opportune time. So as we get through one test, we have to understand that there's going to be another test coming. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to animate us. If we understand when we get into the word whose we are and who we are in Christ, then some of those temptations won't won't be uh, as hard to come over. And not only that, for every temptation, the Bible says there is a way of escape. Hindsight being 2020, I can think of some times where different things went down and there was a way out wasn't taken. In hindsight being 2020, I can think about those times I did take the way out and thank God I did. So for every temptation, if you spend some time thinking about it, there will be a way out. We can find this real nourishment in the word of God. We can find the teachings that show us the path to deep and lasting satisfaction. That's what it really was about. Jesus had fasted, and Satan thought that he could provide him a quick source of satisfaction, a shortcut to the end, a cheat code, if you will, the answers to the test. And it is tempting to do that sometimes because we want that time back. We want to be able to get something 
without it being easy. But I've learned that the things that I've struggled for, the things that I didn't get on the first try, the things that I had to go through some trials and tribulations to earn, I appreciate more than something that somebody just gave me. If we want to be delivered from the evil one, we have to trust God. We have to let Jesus be our lightning rod. I always marvel at the lightning rod because you put the lightning rod on top of a building and the lightning rod takes the blast and takes it off and puts it into the ground. If we put Jesus in front of us, Jesus will take that, that burden that we have, that trouble that we have, that temptation that we're trying to fight and redirect it another way. We need to allow Jesus to be our lightning rod so that those things that are powerful and dangerous and come out of thin air, aiming right for us, can be redirected to another side to keep us safe. Jesus will show us the things that are worth finding and the things that are worth letting go. We just have to trust in him and fight that temptation. And I, I'm reminded, and, and, and again, I say I find it interesting that uh, Luke flipped the story, uh, the story order. Not that it didn't happen. He just told it in a different order. And you can tell by different things when you read the Gospels, particularly who had what in mind. Uh, Mark was straight about the facts. This happened, this is what happened after that, and this is what happened next. Matthew was particular to the church. Matthew liked to put the church in a good light, but Luke had certain other things in, 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 that were important to him. And so in studying, I had to look at why he would put this story last, because they say in storytelling, you put the major point last. And there it was. Satan had took him to Jerusalem. He took him to Jerusalem and asked him to kill himself. Jesus did not kill himself right there because it wasn't his time. He knew what was going to happen when he went to Jerusalem in the right time. He went to Jerusalem. He knew it wasn't his time, but when he was going to go to Jerusalem later, he was going to get some lashes on his back. He knew when he was going to Jerusalem later, he was going to get beat and mocked and spat on and put up on a, hung, a kangaroo court, trumped up charges and hung up between two thieves. He knew he was going to have to carry a heavy cross. So it wasn't his time to kill himself right then because he knew he had to sacrifice himself later. He knew he had to sacrifice himself later. So he was telling Satan, it's not my time to beat you just yet, but I'm going to beat you soon enough. I'm going to carry that heavy cross, that old rugged cross, all the way to Calvary. Get nails in my arms and nails in my feet and a piercing in my side and a crown of thorns on my head. He knew that was coming. So that was what was important to him. That cross, that crimson blood that can take a black soul and wash it right as snow. 
What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So he was telling them at that time that more opportune time was coming as well, that he was going to die for our sins and not no metaphysical dying. I get so tired of reading about that. I even had to read that in preparation for the sermon. Somebody tried to say that the temptation wasn't real and that Jesus may have imagined that. Well, you imagine your way out of hell then. Jesus knew he had to go to Jerusalem. So that's what was important to Luke. And y'all have to agree, uh, admit that it's important to Luke and it's important to me, that rugged cross. The propitiation of my sins. He took your sins and my sins and all of our sins and put them on the cross. So that whosoever shall believe in him shall be saved, have everlasting life, have access to Jesus. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.